Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. So I want you to know that's exactly what God is doing in in your life by bringing some pain into it. So we must not complain. Don't get angry at your suffering. Don't get angry at God for bringing this in into your life. But learn how comforting God is and then just pass that truth on to others. That helps to make sense of suffering. No one enjoys suffering. If we did, it wouldn't be suffering, would it? But even if we don't like it, we can rejoice that God is at work in us. What is there to rejoice about? Well, believe it or not, there are benefits to suffering. And that is our topic this week on Verse by Verse. I'm glad you can be with us today for this Bible class of the air led by Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving for over 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now his messages are available to radio listeners through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We have been studying the benefits of suffering for over a week now. Our main text is 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Today's lesson is the middle portion of a three-part message. The next part will conclude this series of studies. Now, if you would like to hear the entire message, stay tuned at the end of class for an important phone number. There is more than one reason why God has us go through these sometimes agonizing periods. The first is that he is equipping us to help others in their tribulations. Pastor Steve is going to review that idea before moving on to a couple of other reasons. Now, here is Pastor Steve with today's lesson. About the, uh, the time that Jesus was explaining to his disciples in Luke chapter 22 that he was going to go to the cross and he would would uh, suffer, Jesus turned to Peter, who thought he was invincible. Peter thought he would, you know, stand with the Lord. And, and Jesus said, Peter, Satan has desired to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith fail not. So Peter was going to suffer greatly. And and he did. He denied the Lord. He wept bitterly. He said, I'll stand with you, Lord. But but Peter understood what it was like for Satan to attack him and to deny the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus said to him, Peter, when you're converted, meaning when you turn around, not when you first come to faith in me, but when you are restored, strengthen your brethren, strengthen your brethren. That was Peter's ministry. And interestingly enough, you know what his first letter is about? It's to the suffering church to strengthen them in their affliction. It was uh, to the church about the time of Nero's persecution. And Peter wrote a very encouraging letter about how to handle suffering. In fact, it's Peter who says that uh, be sober-minded, be alert, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he might devour. Uh, Peter knew that experientially as well as as God uh, inspired him to write it. And what Peter is doing is fulfilling this very mission that Jesus gave him. He suffered. He knew the, the strength and restoring comfort of God. And now he was ministering to others with wonderful truths about strength and resistance of Satan. 
that's how this works. That's how it works. God comforts us so that we might comfort others. You know, uh, just last week, as I mentioned earlier, you uh, greatly honored Michelle and me for 20 years of service at Lakeside. And I want you to know, and I alluded to this last week, that um, most of those years have have been wonderful. Most of these years have just been wonderful. But the early years were not that wonderful. They were difficult years in ministry as a pastor and uh, sometimes very painful um, as I was listening last week to all the nice things you were saying, I actually turned to Michelle and said, and who are they talking about? And uh, I, I couldn't help but think, as you were saying nice things, in the early days of my ministry, I was severely criticized for preaching. The things that uh, you have uh, expressed uh, kind words towards me on, uh, many years ago, there were not kind words about my preaching. Uh, I was accused of preaching over the heads of people. In fact, I was told several times, you really don't belong in a church. You belong in a seminary teaching. That was not a compliment, by the way, coming from those individuals. They were not complimenting me. They were saying that uh, people will never go for expository preaching. They're, they're not going to handle it. They're not, they're not geared to that. I was told that my sermons were too long. People would not sit for 45 to 50 minutes and hear a sermon. I was told that I, I, I just dug too much into the text of Scripture and uh, wasn't practical and relevant and applicable enough. Uh, in fact, when I, was, in, when I uh, uh, was installed as the pastor of Lakeside, many, many, many people left our church. We bless so many churches in this area. I mean, those pastors <laughs> ought to write me a thank you note, send me a Christmas card. We, uh, we help populate many churches. I, I help that. And I, and I remember one Sunday, well, it, it almost looked like the early service does today. And I looked over the congregation and, um, I saw a lot of green empty pews, but there was Michelle sitting with our children. I thought, you know what? At least I know there'll be one family that won't leave. I mean, they've got to come. Uh, those were some difficult years. Those were not, not easy years. But you know what? I would never trade those years as painful as they were because God comforted me through his word. I learned much about preaching in those days. Uh, I learned much about what it means to be a shepherd and give people what they need to hear rather than what they want to hear. And those were the things that the times that really helped me to uh, have some kind of a spiritual backbone on uh, teaching and preaching the word of God. I wouldn't exchange, exchange those, those painful years for anything because they taught me so much. And I have been able then to comfort other men in the ministry who tend to look at us at Lakeside and thinking and think that we've got it all together and things are wonderful. And I love coming alongside of them and saying, you know what, uh, that is not the way it is today and that is not the way it was years ago. And let me tell you, when you're uh, questioning about your preaching and teaching and what to do, and, and I've been able to apply the word to their lives. And that's what that's just from my own experience, understanding what Paul is talking about to the Corinthians. You go through difficult times and they're not pleasant when you go through it. But that's God's design to teach you his word and to uh, to then use that uh, to be able to minister to others. In fact, I remember just very vividly one uh, day, this is when I was, was interim pastor. You may not know that. I was interim pastor for nine months. And um, 
I remember a time that uh, it was such a difficult time that I told the elders, I said, I resign. That's it. And then I drove home that night thinking, you idiot, what did you do? You don't have any place to go. And, uh, you know, but uh, I really meant it at the time. It was just that difficult. And I can recall sitting in my chair at home and uh, reading John chapter 10. And in that great passage in John chapter 10, Jesus said, spoke about the great shepherd, and he said that a shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. A hireling, meaning someone who's just in it for the money, he's just a hired hand, he runs and lets, and lets the wolves attack. God greatly used that in my life because I said to the Lord that day, I said, Lord, no matter how painful this is, no matter how my reputation is being just smeared, I, uh, I will not be a hireling, I will be a shepherd. And you know what? I've been able to use that with others out of that painful time. That just illustrates just, just the comfort of the Word of God and how He applies that to a suffering, painful situation so that we can apply it to others who are going through the same painful kind of situations. And not only those situations, but all kinds of afflictions. So that, I want you to know that's exactly what God is doing in, in your life by bringing some pain into it. So we must not complain. Don't get angry at your suffering. Don't get angry at God for bringing this in into your life, but learn how comforting God is and then just pass that truth onto others. That helps to make sense of suffering. And that is the first benefit of suffering. Number one, it enables us to comfort others who are suffering. There's a second benefit that Paul speaks of, and we'll focus on this, and it's this. Suffering benefits us in the sense that it forces us to depend upon God. It forces us to depend upon God. Verse 8, for we do not want you to be unaware or ignorant, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. Asia meaning Asia Minor, the western province of Asia Minor, of which Ephesus was the main city. He says um, that we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Now, up to this point in his teaching about suffering and, and comfort, Paul has been very general. He hadn't given us any specifics, but now in verse 8, he moves from the general to the specific as he reveals some things about a particular uh, affliction that he endured in Asia Minor. The Apostle Paul suffered severely and frequently for his faith. So for him to say he even fell into despair is quite an indication of just how bad it must have been. Notice that he did not give the specific details of the burden he had, but it's not the kind of pain that is important. It's the source of comfort that matters. The sources of our discomfort can vary a great deal, but the source of our comfort never changes. It comes from God's Word and ultimately from God Himself. Pastor Steve will be right back with more details after a brief pause to welcome those of you who might have just found us on your radio dial. We're glad to have you here. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you are in Clearwater on a Sunday morning and looking for a place to worship, Pastor Steve would love to meet you. You will find Lakeside at 1893 Sunset Point Road, that is midway between U.S. Highway 19 and the beaches. We are nearing the end of a study about the benefits of suffering. One benefit is that on the other side of the trial, we can share the comfort we found in God's Word with other people who are suffering. 
it is interesting that we don't need to share the same experiences. Regardless of our specific situation, the same biblical truths can bring us comfort as the Lord leads us through the valley of life. But there are other reasons that God sovereignly lets us pass through these ordeals. If you would like to follow in your Bible, turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 8. Let's get back to class now to find out what we can learn from these verses. He starts off by telling them something that they were not aware of concerning him and his sufferings. He says, For we do not want you to be unaware, brethren, of our affliction which came to us in Asia. Now, we must understand something here. Um, it isn't that Paul is saying that they didn't know anything about his affliction. They had to know something about it. They had to know. Why do I say that? Because he doesn't go into any details about his affliction. He does not share any details which would indicate that they knew the details. They already knew about it. It had happened after he wrote 1 Corinthians, but before he wrote 2 Corinthians. So they knew about it. They knew something of this specific ordeal, but they did not know the absolute utter severity of it. That's his point. And it was extremely severe. So much so that Paul goes on to say, notice, he says that we, and by we, he probably means he and his missionary colleagues, maybe even just he and Timothy, were burdened, he says, and we were burdened excessively beyond our strength so that we despaired even of life. Whatever happened to Paul, and we just haven't been given the information by God in his word, uh, we don't know, but whatever happened, it was quite serious to the point where Paul thought he was going to die. There's, and all we can do is speculate at this point. Some believe it was uh, ongoing persecution. Um, others believe that it may have been a riot that took place. Uh, it may very, very well have been that Paul was thrown into prison and tortured. It, uh, we do know in Romans 16.3, shortly after this, Paul speaks of Aquila and Priscilla and says they risked their necks for me. So maybe it was some kind of government deal, whatever. Others believe it was a serious illness that Paul faced. We just don't know. But whatever this, this severe trial was, we do know that it was so bad that Paul lost all hope of living. He thought he was going to die. In fact, if you notice in verse 8, the Greek word for despaired, he said we despaired even of our life. That word despaired means without a way of escape, no exit, the total absence of an exit. Paul was so burdened and so weighed down by this horrible experience that he gave up any hope of getting out of there alive. He just couldn't see any way out of the dilemma. That's why he goes on in verse 9 to say, indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves. It's very interesting. The word that Paul uses for sentence is the only time this word is used in the Greek New Testament, but it was a word used in the ancient world. It was a technical term used to speak of an official decision or a verdict handed down, such as a, a government decision. In this case, it would refer to the decision of a death sentence passed upon Paul. But don't misunderstand. Paul isn't telling us that the Roman government passed a, a sentence that condemned him to, to death. No, he's telling us that he was so sure that he was going to die that he actually passed the sentence of death upon himself. Why do I say that? He says we have the sentence of death within ourselves. That is to say things were so bad that Paul just had an inner conviction that death was inevitable. When he asked himself, am I getting out of this alive? 
he heard this little voice inside of him say, there's no way you're getting out of this alive. Now, I want to think about that for a moment because you may have a question about this. If it doesn't hit you now, it might some other time. And it, this question hit me during the week. And so I thought, thought through this, and I think this is the correct answer. Why would Paul be concerned about death? This is the man who said to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. This is the man who wrote it, it, to, to die is gain, to be with Christ. And in 2 Timothy chapter 4, just before Paul really died, obviously he got out of this dilemma because he wrote 2 Corinthians. But in 2 Timothy, uh, Paul says in chapter 4, I'm already to be poured, I, all, I am already being poured out as a, as a, uh, an offering and, uh, my departure is at hand. And there doesn't seem to be any anxiety there. Doesn't seem to have trouble with that. What's the difference? Why now is he troubled and say, and say that he's, writes that he was even in despair, but later when death really came to him, he wasn't. Let me show you. Let's turn to Second Timothy chapter I mean, you can say in one sense it's because God didn't give him grace to handle death until he died. We could say that. But I also think, if you notice, 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 and 7, I believe, are the key, are the key verses, especially verse 7. But in verse 6, he says, I am already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Paul was in a uh, dungeon in Rome. Uh, shortly after he wrote this letter, they brought him out and cut his head off. But he says in verse 7, and I think this is the key, why he was ready to die when he wrote this letter, but not when he wrote 2 Corinthians. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. Paul understood in 2 Corinthians in that ordeal that he was not finished with the work God had given him. There was a sense in his, in his heart that there was still more work for him to do. He had some messed up churches, specifically the Corinthian dilemma that he had to deal with. But in 2 Timothy 4, he understands that he has finished the course. There's a, a sense of great peace in his heart that the work for him is over. I think what Paul despaired of so much with the Corinthian situation is that he thought he was going to die and it was before his time. And yet he knew that you can't die before your time. And, and I think there was great despair in his heart because of that. Now, imagine being in Paul's place. Things look so bleak, so hopeless that you just can't see any way out. Some of you can relate to Paul. You may not be in the situation of thinking that you're facing death but you do find yourself in a difficult situation that has completely weighed you down. You're so burdened and you really don't know a way out of your predicaments. That was Paul. You don't know what to do next. You've exhausted all of your strength to try to figure out how to cope with this trial and you've lost all hope. And that's where you are today. Now, why would God put you in such a, a, a jam, a desperate jam as this? Paul actually answers that for us as we move into verse 9, he says, indeed, we have the sentence of death within ourselves so that, here's the reason, here's the purpose, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. What a great statement. The reason God brought Paul to the brink of thinking that he, that he was going to die and escaping death was, uh, was impossible was because he wanted the Apostle Paul to abandon all self-reliance and to put all of his trust in the Lord God. That's it. 
In other words, he wants Paul to renounce all confidence in his own wisdom, his own efforts to bring about deliverance from death. He wanted the apostle to rely upon him and him alone for deliverance. In fact, he wanted Paul to have the same kind of depth of faith and trust in him that the Old Testament patriarch Abraham had. That's why he closes verse 9 by saying that we have the sentence of death within ourselves so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Why did he say that? I, I take it that this statement is as a reference to the time when Abraham in the Old Testament was told to take his beloved son, Isaac, Yitzhak, and, and take him out and, uh, and plunge a knife into his heart. And yet, all of the promises of the Abrahamic covenant were tied uh, into that boy. This was the son of promise. This is the son that that all the wonderful statements and promises about Israel being a great nation, a great land, the Messiah coming through one of the, coming through Isaac, being one of his descendants, all of that, if he plunges the knife into his breast, it's over. But Abraham was willing to obey God, believing, Hebrews chapter 11 tells us, believing that God was able to raise Isaac from the dead. He was ready to take his son's life, believing and trusting God with the kind of faith that, God, I know you will fulfill your word, even if it means raising Isaac from the dead. I've never seen a resurrection. I don't know anybody who's ever been raised from the dead, but I will do this. God said, Paul, I want you to have the same kind of faith. You're in an, you are in an impossible situation from a human standpoint. I want you to trust me as the God who can do anything, even raise you from the dead, if that's my will. See, God brought suffering into Paul's life in order that he might recognize how helpless he was and abandon all self-confidence that he might learn to trust God as the only one who, who can deliver, deliver him even from certain death and even raise the dead, if that's his will. Folks, that is precisely why God has brought you to a point of deep suffering in order to bring you to the end of yourself so that you stop relying on your own intellectual and, and physical and emotional and, and especially financial resources. God wants you to look to him instead of you figuring it out. This is often why David faced so many trials in, in his encounters with Saul and, and enemies. Why? Because God removed from David all the crutches of life. He removed friends. He removed people. He removed. Often David was just in the wilderness and he just cried out to God, I have only you and you alone. You are my refuge. You are my shield. You are the present one or, or the one who is present in time of trouble. All too often we forget that as Christ followers, we serve the God of the impossible. From time to time, he has to remind us that he is sufficient for every situation. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. When we forget to acknowledge him, when we start trusting in our own competence, our own finances, our own anything, you can be sure that if you're God's child, he loves you, and he will bring you back into a proper relationship of total dependence on him. As we draw near the conclusion of today's lesson, let me thank you for listening to Verse by Verse. Our teacher is Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. For over 26 years, his expository messages have been challenging the people of Lakeside 
and now Verse by Verse Ministries makes them available through this radio station. Verse by Verse Ministries is a faith ministry which relies on the gifts and prayers of interested listeners who are first faithful to their own church. Today's Bible class of the air was the middle part of a three-part message from 2 Corinthians chapter 1. It's the last message in the series. And if you would like to hear this entire message at one time without announcements, you can order an audio CD or a cassette tape. Just call us at 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will return your call during weekday office hours. That number again, 727-441-1714. If you missed the start of today's class or would just like to hear it again, it's available for listening or downloading at our website, versebyverseradio.org. We also have previous lessons on our archives page. While you're there, we invite you to sign up for our complimentary newsletter or our free podcasting service. That web address again is versebyverseradio.org. Our next class will be the conclusion of our study about the benefits of suffering. Amazingly, there are some wonderful benefits, but the most important is yet to come. I hope you can join us for the next Verse by Verse as Pastor Steve opens God's Word to show us how our sufferings bring glory to God. I'm Peter Silseth. I hope to see you then. We are here to give you strength between